Talmud says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. One day, a hungry beggar walked up to a well-dressed, plump woman. She was shopping on Rodeo Drive there in Beverly Hills. And he said to her, Ma'am, I haven't eaten anything for several days. Walking right past him, she replied, God, I wish I had your willpower. (laughs) We see the world not as it is, but as we are. Perceptions. That's what I'm going to talk about tonight is perceptions. First of all, biases. Everybody has them. I have them. You have them. We try to not have too many of them or too, too many of them that are uh, at least negative or in our way. But everybody has them. Everybody has some sort of predisposition for or against a person, place, thing, or even an idea that interferes or impairs our judgment, thus our, perce- our perception. Now, there's a story that many of you have probably even have, have heard or even seen. You can see it on, on YouTube. And this is about Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell, if you don't know, is a very famous, very divinely gifted violinist. And this was some sort of social experiment they were doing. And he set himself up in a Washington, D.C. subway. And he was just dressed in normal clothes. He had a baseball cap on. And um, he sat down and he played for about an hour or so in this subway. And the interesting thing was that this brilliant, he doesn't like that word, but this brilliant violinist was playing these very intricate, beautiful Bach pieces. Um, He played Ave Maria, all kinds of pieces for this hour on a three and a half million dollar violin. And of the thousand or so people that passed him by, 98% of them didn't notice him didn't look at him, didn't stop to listen for even a second, didn't even give him money. In fact, in that hour or so, he made about $40. So what was their perceptions? Now, some of them, as you'll see if you watch this on on YouTube, were interviewed. And so some perceived they had no time. They had to go. They had to get to where they were going, get to work at home, whatever they were doing. Some of them perceived that, and this is the important one, that this guy... It was just some, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill musician who set himself up to uh, make a couple of bucks because he can't play anywhere else for whatever reason. They didn't know that two days later it would have cost you a 100 bucks to sit and listen to that one hour that he was doing in that subway. Perception. You might have a perception because I'm wearing tennis shoes. I might have a perception that since there's not 100 people in there, when they saw my name on that email, they decided not to come. You have a perception that I'm actually using this microphone, and I'm not. (laughs) Now, some of you are savvy about, you know, the sound world, and you saw this little thing on my head. You can see it back here because I don't have hair to hide it. But after a while... You kind of started ignoring it. And you thought I was talking through that microphone, and I was not. Perception. A lot of magic is perception. Perception flavors our belief, 
our thoughts, and thus our experiences. And that's why I wanted to talk about perception and what it does. Biases, like I said before, influence perceptions. They cause us to notice, and this is something really interesting. It's, it's a brain function that in many ways, um, well, you ha always have control of it, but it's a brain function that is natural in that because you have these biases, and especially ones that have lasted a long time, your brain only allows you to notice that which proves that bias right so that you might ignore or excuse anything that comes by and refutes that righteousness. And these biases can get stronger over time. One common, well, I want to say that, that's kind of mean. One bias that uh, you hear about a lot is Asian drivers are the worst. Boy, you go, you drive on the freeway, and you see an Asian driver, and it's like, oh, man. I got to stay away, I got to get back, I got to speed up. But you know, statistically, the facts are that Asian drivers are not the worst drivers. I won't say statistically who are, that's, that doesn't really matter, but that's a perception. So that anytime you see an Asian driver, or a blonde driver, or an old driver, or any other type of person or personality in any sort of situation, you assume, because you have this perception and this bias, wherever it came from, that they're going to act a certain way. The data is coming in through all of your senses, and they're always colored, no matter whether that's factual or not, by your perception of those senses, of, those, of that data coming in and thus becomes a reality for you. Perception becomes reality. Now, it doesn't matter whether those perceptions come out of fear or love, whether we understand them or not, whether we use them purposefully or not. They influence our experiences. They influence our, small r, reality. Einstein said, reality is merely an illusion albeit a very persistent one. Jane Wagner, who you may know, writes for Lily Tomlin, said, reality is the leading cause of stress amongst those in touch with it. <laughs> so again, what you perceive influences that which you conceive and flavors, colors, what you will achieve, what you will experience. So now we know what it is. Now we know what's around. What do we do about it? How do we even use it, if that's even the proper term? Ernest Holmes says, thought is an inner movement which is largely the result of one's perception of life and your reaction to it. Every time this movement takes place, it takes place within mind, upon cause, according to law. We are dealing with the same power that molds the planets and all that is upon them. And the limit of our ability to use this power is not in principle, but in our understanding of it. Our awareness of these beliefs, our awareness of these perceptions, these biases. So how do we change them? 
Well, I found an interesting thing in Zen Buddhism called beginner's mind. Beginner's mind meaning you come into a situation and you know nothing. Or as we hear, because we allow spirit in us, not only do we know nothing, but we know everything. It's just our awareness and our ability and our willingness to be aware of the everything. A university professor went to visit a <clears throat> famous Zen master. Now, he was a, a big fan of this Zen master. He, he taught um, uh, all his, uh, the teachings of this Zen master and finally was going to be able to meet him. So he goes to India and he meets this man and they're sitting down. And the Zen master quietly serves this professor tea as they talked about Zen Buddhism, philosophy, life in general. Well, the Zen master was pouring the visitor's cup and it reached the brim. And he kept pouring and pouring. And of course, soon, the tea was overflowing. And after a while, the, the professor, you know, he's seeing this, at least peripherally, and finally he couldn't take it anymore, and he, he couldn't restrain himself, and he says, Master, it's over full. No more can go in. Please stop. And the master put down the tea, and he looked into the professor's eyes, and he says, How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? So what are you paying attention to? What are you perceiving? What are your biases? We need to empty that cup as we come, become aware of these thoughts, these beliefs, these things that are getting in our way of what we want, career, relationships, peace of mind, money, whatever, new car, as you see, your brain is constantly creating. That's its job. Its job is to create. And it doesn't matter if you're a, an artist, like a fine artist, or, or, or if you're an accountant, which can be very creative, or, or anything, or if you're a trash collector for the city. Your brain is made to create. Its job is to make movement, whether it's physical movement or movement of your thoughts and beliefs, your philosophies, your whatever's going on in your life. It is the instrument that we use to treat our mind, to make our experiences what we want. So I'd like to invite you to think about and maybe start emptying your cup of all these preconceived ideas, concepts, techniques, methods, even the ones you learn here, even the ones you learn upstairs, even the ones you learn on Sunday. You want to make them your own. Because some of those preconceived ideas, some of those biases will prevent us from receiving the new. Now, that may be simple for you sometimes. It may be difficult sometimes. That's okay. We want to be open to whatever the process will be. I want to encourage you to have no fear in this process, no matter if it's simple, quick, 
not so quick because sometimes you're peeling an onion. And if we're talking about spiritual mind treatment or affirmative prayer and you see that you're not demonstrating or manifesting like you believe you believe, well, maybe there's a peel that needs to come off somewhere. Maybe you need to just sit quietly and think about it. Let the thoughts come to you because they will of what that onion peel needs to go. Which one needs to go next? If there needs to be one. With consistency, what happens in your brain is called procedural memory. That's why we're always talking about um, your spiritual practice. Because if you're feeding yourself with affirmative prayer, spiritual mind treatment, meditation, affirmations, walking in, in, the, in nature, playing with your dog, whatever it is that is, feeds your soul, that allows you that, that awareness of the truth with the big T, that's what you want to keep bringing into your life. And what will happen is you'll get procedural memory. What procedural memory becomes is your new habit, your second nature, so that the goodness that we are, the divinity that we sometimes forget that we are made of, made from, made for, made to express, will blossom. Abundance, opulence, everything you desire, require, is here, waiting for you. All we have to do is open our eyes, open our minds to see it. Goethe says, or said, because he's dead, I have come to the frightening conclusion that I am the decisive element. It is my personal approach that creates the climate. It is my daily mood that makes the weather. I possess tremendous power to make life miserable or joyous. I can be a tool of torture or an instrument of inspiration. I can humiliate or humor, hurt or heal. In all situations, it is, it is my response that decides whether a crisis is escalated or de-escalated. If we treat people as they are, we make them worse. If we treat people as they ought to be, we help them become what they are capable of becoming. And that includes each and every one of us, each and every one of you, each and every one of your friends, family, relatives, each one in the world. Defy your past. Defy your biases, your preconceptions, anything that is getting in the way of your good. Be aware and open to hear about them so that you can defy them. Defy gravity. There's a power for good in the universe, in you, for you with you and you and I and everyone get to use it. Enjoy. Namaste. Namaste.